As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about what else? The Rockets have a new head coach. And we're going to talk about where Daryl Morey ended up. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Triple-double rust, man. I need you to acknowledge he don't do this for the optics, man. He do this for the Rockets. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. We've missed you guys. And one of the guys I've missed most of all is my man, is my podcast partner, Kelly Eco. Kelly, how are you doing, man? What's up, bro? Oh, I've missed you, dude. I'm telling you, dude. I'm, I'm hugging the computer. I'm hugging the computer as we speak. Man, it's, it's, been, it's been rough. Got a par with you, man. Yeah, we we they got a, they got a, they got a uh, lift the embargo. <laughs> <laughs> lift the embargo. There is no embargo. Everybody relax. We're on a <laughs> off season kind of breaking yeah. news, and don't worry. It sounds like the off season is going to be a lot shorter than any of us expected. So you might get a, a whole lot of us, a whole lot more, uh, depending on when the season comes back. But Kelly, we gotta we gotta talk about the big news. Yeah. Um, the, they the, finally have a head coach. Yeah, the Rockets have hired Stephen Silas from the Dallas Mavericks. He was was he? I believe he was their lead assistant. I know he was in yes. charge of their offense uh, yes. for the Mavericks. And you know, uh, just to kind of give everybody sort of a rundown, he's been in the league since 1999. You know, as a scout, has been an assistant at several different places. Has worked with some amazing coaches, Steve Clifford, uh, Rick Carlisle. Uh, among them I think you know he's the son of Paul Silas as well so you know he's he's got a lot of history this is his pedigree and Kelly like just just take it away your first reaction to it and what you've learned about uh coach Silas since you've uh since they've hired him well you know this only was perhaps the longest coaching search in recent (laughs) NBA history um but it kind of makes sense when you think about this would be Tillman Fertitta's first ever, you know, coach that he hired, you know, in his tenure. So the Rockets kind of wanted to have a thorough and, you know, deliberate process as possible. Um, obviously, throughout the offseason, we heard, 
names like Jeff Van Gundy, John Lucas, uh, Kenny Atkinson, David Vanterpool, Wes Unsell Jr., names like that. But, you know, the Rockets are a kind of team where they had all these names and then they they went through and they asked questions, they had more conversations. And time and time again, Stephen Siles blew them away. Um, I think one of the things that stuck out to them from speaking to them was his prepared preparedness. Um, he was he had every answer possible. He had different you know permutations of answers and different solutions. He posed his own questions, on, and the Rockets were kind of looking for not so much a a right or wrong answer, but they were looking for thoughtful answers, answers that had something to them that showed that you know you wanted the job, and. Every round, it showed them that Stephen Silas was the guy for them. So um, it took almost seven weeks, but I think they got their guy. Yeah, and I, I'm excited for it. I think this was a good choice. Here's the ultimate thing, and this is one of the things that makes it tough. First-time head coach, which means right. we don't know much, you know, and there's a big difference. We talk about it all the time, going from being an assistant coach to being a head coach and all that. But I – we never know till they do the job how good they are, but I'm excited for. I think he's more than earned it, you know. And, right, and for he sure. interviewed with the Rockets in the past in 2016, leaving a good impression, you know, before they went with D'Antoni. And I think, you know, the the thing I'm really excited about Kelly is is seeing some of the seeing how much of the offense will change once basketball gets going. It's a question, you know. I, there's always going to be some isolation stuff for. James, but I think it's interesting because, like, Luca's not James Harden, but he's got a lot of similarities. And I right. think there are things that the Mavericks did with how they utilized Luca is stuff that the Rockets can incorporate a little bit. You know, the Mavericks did a good job of getting Luca off the ball and then getting it to him again in in like an attack position. And there there might be some more of that stuff for for James to take advantage of. What's your feel there? It, Anything have they talked? Anything that you've heard or the people you talked to have, have mentioned in terms of what might happen offensively? I think besides James, obviously there's going to be a lot of you know talk about his style of play because to your point, you know while there are some similarities with him and Luca, there are some differences in in terms of you know the 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 isolation usage and just overall off ball actions. I think. That's what you'll see more. But I want to go a step further and talk about Russell Westbrook. Um, anybody who knows Stephen Silas knows that he has a long history of working with ball-dominant guards and just playmakers in general. And Russ is someone who's coming off kind of a weird year. Um, it started off not so good. It got really good, and then it ended not so good. Um, but Stephen Silas is going to be a coach who's going to have to take um, his whole – body of work and find ways to optimize him on the court. Now, does that use small ball? Does that use, you know, bringing a traditional center back? Who knows? But I think one area I'm interested to see particularly is how, you know, those two play off each other. I think if you see more James as a screener, you know, potentially getting early actions or, you know, off-ball cuts, having the ball lay in the shot clock but not the entire shot clock, just little things here and there to make the Rockets' offense a bit more fluid because over the past four or five years, um, they have been in the top two or three, you know, in terms of offensive rating. But the Dallas Mavericks' offense last season was 
the most historic, efficient in NBA history. Yeah, yeah. and it was for a reason. Like it wasn't just ISO, ISO, ISO all the time. They 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 had different looks and they have different schemes and different ways to attack from different points on the floor. And I think um, that's the area where Steven Silas can you know kind of have a greater influence than last season. Yeah, and I think this is the stuff we've kind of been, or at least I know I've been asking for from the Rockets offensively is to see Harden move a little bit more and get more involved when he doesn't have the ball in his hand. So I'll be kind of keeping an eye on it. But I also think this signals something else. And I think we knew this was coming since D'Antoni left. But, like, this is just the start of what I think is going to be a lot of changes on the roster for this team. I think there's going to be, you know, they need to go find a big man. They need to make some moves. I think there's going to be, I think we're going to see a little bit of a different team on the court than we're used to in the past. And, you know, they got the first step. They got their head coach. You know, and now they're going to start building a staff. And there's interesting. You wrote, and we got to mention it too. And if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, I don't know what you're doing. You need to jump on it right away and get in there so that you could read Kelly's great piece. Kelly and Tim Cato, who covers the Dallas Mavericks for the Athletic, you know, kind of got together and, and started talking. Stephen Silas, Kelly, you wrote a great piece there, and you mentioned in there, you know, some of the names for potential assistance for him and I think it's important that they're going to try to build some strong head former head coaches on his staff so I had a question about that I probably wanted to ask you but for a first-time head coach I know everyone wants to draw the comparison to Nick Nurse um, in Toronto and the job he's done Um, but for Steven Silas do you think that's the best route to surround him with you know former head coaches guys that have years and years of experience or do you think you kind of let him take the lead and 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 choose his assistants it's actually really funny you bring up that question because we actually talked about that on nerder she wrote um this was not a we didn't pay kelly for this plug folks this just happened naturally um because (laughs) god knows i'm not giving up any money Uh, (laughs) but you know we we talked about it and i think there's a little bit of both i think you know the front office at this point should probably suggest a couple of guys, you know, we've seen it happen before. Look, Steve Kerr came in to be a head coach and it would different scenario with no experience, but the, the Warriors wanted, you know, Alvin Gentry wanted him to have head coach, uh, a former head coach with him, you know, experience on his side. We've seen teams kind of put in a, the, the, at least make the decision on who's like the, the lead assistant. So I won't be surprised to see it. I think it's helpful, though, Kelly, for him to have, you know, at least one former head coach, just somebody he can draw on, you know, through the season when he has, you know, if he has something that's a little bit different because it is navigating new waters for him to a right. degree. You know, it's still coaching, but it's also a little bit different. You're the guy that's deciding whether we're going to practice or not. Like when you're an assistant coach, you get to suggest when you're the head coach, you have to decide. And I think that's kind of the big difference. And I think it'd be good for him to have at least one person, you know, whether he chooses or whether the front office chooses, but somebody that's kind of been through it that could kind of help him along. And, you know, then from there, when you fill out your staff, I think, you know, you and I both would agree on this. I think you wrote it in your article. You know, I think it's going to be really important they keep John Lucas, who was one of the finalists for the job. I just think, you know, his importance like you said, you know, goes beyond the X's and O's and just his relationship with his players. So I think that matters. And I think from there you just begin to fill it out so that you have what you feel like what you need. <clears throat> so 
you know, I think it's really important to understand kind of how the Rockets do things. Um, and we've seen other teams around the NBA do this too in terms of how they run their coaching staffs, which is kind of like a football team now. You have these specialists where you have the head coach who oversees everything, and then you have a quote-unquote offensive and defensive coordinator you, you can throw in special teams as well. I just wonder, you know, Steven Silas was – he excelled as the offensive coordinator for the Mavericks last season. Now with him moving to the head coach, how much of that control does he relinquish? You know, do you let your assistant coaches kind of run the offense and defense? Because in that case, if you have names like Jeff Hornacek and Nate McMillan, those coaches don't play the traditional Houston Rockets basketball. So to your point of there's going to be more changes, you know, if those guys are on staff, that's even, you know, more telling sign that there will be changes within the offense and defense. So I wonder how much of that hands-on he's going to be in terms of setting up the offense, running plays and stuff like that, or how much does he, you know, distribute to his assistant coaches. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, for me, I think he's going to be pretty involved in the offense, especially early on, because you want to establish that. You know, you said the traditional Houston offense. That's gone now. You know, look. D'Antoni's gone. Daryl Morey's gone. Like that's that's out. That's out the door. You know that's a different scenario now. You know the 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 offense they're going to run is probably going to be different under him. It's going to have for sure shades and 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 he's going to pull pieces from last year's offense. You know that he he enjoyed and he's going to incorporate those things. But it's going to be. I think it's going to be him, Kelly, at least running the offense. Personally, I I'm not a huge huge fan of the coordinator system you know it's 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 worked I think you can have guys who are specialists in those but I want my head coach to be involved in both the offense and defense because they play with each other you know the the reason why it works in the NFL is it's separate right you have a whole different team for offense that you do for defense it's not you know these guys aren't running up and down the field you know and and, and switching sides right away whereas in basketball obviously you're going back and forth so I think it's important for the coach to be able to have both. And I think he's, you know, he was the offensive coordinator in, in, in Dallas. You know, it doesn't mean he doesn't know defense. I mean, he's been in the league as long as he has. He's he's for sure been, you know, on, on top of the defense as well. So I think it's going to be interesting. But I think early on, he's going to need to be involved, you know, more hands-on instead of kind of being a little bit, uh, you know, 
one coach runs the offense, one coach runs the defense, and then I oversee it. I think he's just going to – I think he can and I think he should be more involved, you know, and more hands-on, you know, as he's going in and as he grows as a head coach. And this is the other thing, too, is I we don't even know – he probably doesn't even know what type of head coach he is right now. Right, and, and that's – you know, that goes along the point of, you know, the whole Rockets process of trying to find the right guy and the right organizational fit. You know, part of their um, interviewing process was speaking to, of course, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and those guys offered their opinion um, the way it was put to me um, and kind of said what they're looking for in a head coach. Now, people are going to look at Jeff Van Gundy and wonder, you know, why that fell apart given that he was supposed to be the, I guess, the the favorite. Um, but I, I spoke to some players and – you know, just the way he coaches didn't really mesh with how this group of Rockets, you know, want to be coached, if that makes sense, or how they play. Um, Jeff Agun is a real old school guy, no nonsense. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get in you. And um I don't think that those guys like, you know, James, Russ, Tuck, I don't think they particularly wanted his style and, and that's kinda why you saw them sticking up for John Lucas is because John Lucas understood them. You know, he's been with them for so long. Uh, it's kind of hard to deal with, you know, vets at times, especially if you're going through a period where you're competing but you're not winning, like, championships and conference finals and stuff like that. So um, I think that's kind of why the, those players wanted John Lucas so badly. But, you know, given that they did go with Steven Silas, I'm interested to see um, how he handles the locker room in that sense. You know, is he going to be a commanding presence from day one or is he going to come in and try and feel his way out, you know, see the different personalities in the room and, and, and go from there? Yeah, that's something we're not going to know till literally the season starts and we start to get going on that stuff, you know. And, you know, it's, a, it's an evolving process, you know, and he's going to be learning as he goes, you know. He has, he has a ton of experience. I think this was a good hire, though. You know, this isn't – I don't want anybody to feel – I think this was a very good hire. I kind of – I, I like it. I think this is good for the Rockets. I think it'll be fun. I think he'll change up the offense a bit. It's going to be uh, very exciting overall to see how this this team shapes, and and it'll be fun to watch and see how the staff pans out, and and basically how they all work together and and, and get going with this with this team, and see what the product's going to look like on the floor. Like I said, I still think we're going to see a lot of roster moves. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of roster moves, um. I have been getting a lot of trades. Uh, I did a, I did part one for a trade piece with John Hollinger. Just looking at some, you know, what trade would you make? I saw some really crazy ones. Um, <laughs> I bet you. What was the craziest <laughs> one you saw? Maybe not. Um, like, what were you just like, uh, whoa? James, oh, it was crazy. But James Harden for Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Kelly Oubre. I saw that one. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I like James. That's a lot. There's <laughs> a lot of wishful thinking on these on these trades. Um I saw one Eric Gordon and Daniel House for Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan. I mean sorry, Jared Allen. Yeah, that, Jared that Allen. was the one you talked about with John Hollinger on your PC. I read your stuff, yeah. Kelly. I that's yeah. how I that's how I stay but, connected to But I think to you. I think what people don't understand is that a lot of times just because the math works it doesn't mean a team's gonna take that package. The most, the most important question anybody can ever ask themselves when they're putting the trade package together is why would the other team do it? 
Yes, the Rockets would trade James Harden for Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Kelly Oubre tomorrow. Like it would, and, and, and it's not even a shot at James. It's just that's a huge package you can't pass up on, right? But like, why would Phoenix do that? You know, and, and, right. and gut their team. Like, you have to ask yourself these questions when you propose a trade. And I'm curious, Kelly, because I have pushed a trade on you. I think we might have even talked about it on the podcast. Uh, is my trade? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Holland is going to take a look at it tonight. Oh, great. I can't wait to see him. Rip- did you say it came from me or did it come from somebody else? I mean, I, are you pitching? You didn't it? put it in the, in, the, in the tweet, bro, but somebody sent a very similar one. Okay, that's you. fine. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I don't need the credit. You know, I will watch it very carefully. And and see how John. It's, it's, it's pretty good though. It's pretty good, especially now with uh, uh, you know, certain executive. Over there. Well, let's first off, we're not going to tell you the trade. You have to read Kelly's piece in the Athletic when it comes out to to understand what we're talking about here. Uh, so go sign up to the Athletic if you're not already. Theathletic.com/slash Brody and the Beard. Do it today. Read Kelly's stuff, and Kelly, it's it's very interesting that the uh, it turns out, you know, uh, Daryl Morey, who left the Rockets, probably what was it like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounded like he was going to take the year off. I thought he was going to oh, take yeah. the year off. Was going to relax oh, yeah. a little, might chill on a beach, have a have one of those Spend drinks with an kids. umbrella, have That's time with his kids. Right, his kids. I think his kids are taking a gap year. They, they, they just finished high school. One, I think his son just finished high school and was taking some time. Like, you know, it, it sounded like he was just going to enjoy himself for the year. And you know what's crazy? What Sorry to cut you off, but I should have read through the lines. Like, college kids are not trying to spend time with their parents. <laughs> like, Well, maybe not you, Kelly, but some kids want to hang out with their parents. Oh, uh, no. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're the, unless you're the coolest dad on earth, I I I, hard, I highly doubt that. But carry on. Well, you know that that will be your mantle someday, Kelly. Uh, hopefully not for a while though. Um, but Daryl Morey has surprised everybody and has become right. the team president of the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's not a total shock considering before they hired Elton Brand two three years ago, they took a shot to see you know if Daryl Morey would be interested in leaving the Rockets to come to them. And, you know, at the time he turned it down and things like that. But, you know, he was a free agent now. Things might have changed a little bit. So he uh, decided to make the move and, and head east. Kelly, what were your first impressions when you when you saw that flash over? That Daryl Morey is playing 40 chess. And, <laughs> and y'all should just let him do his thing. That was... I, I, knew, I knew the minute he walked away from the job that he was setting himself up something better um something in the you know probably east coast i thought he was gonna go to boston but that was just a whim um so philadelphia makes a lot of sense somewhat you know um i'm interested to see how he how he works with doc rivers and elton brand in terms of bringing them to the analytical forefront you know obviously doing the work the sam hinky the groundwork that he laid and and taking that mantle and running with it Oh, but it's it's a good hire. He he's a is a brilliant mind. He's arguably the top free agent on the market, and in that case, you kind of can't let him, you know, slip up a second time. You know, obviously he turned them down three years ago after they won sixty five games, but this time around, I don't, I don't think Philadelphia, you know, cut corners in terms of 
trying to entice him to come to the team. Yeah, I I think it was a good hire for Philly. I think it was just an opportunity for them not to pass up. You know, right. they they wanted him before. Uh, you know, and th- there were some interesting things I've heard. You know, since the question of whether you know Will Morey and Doc get along, it sounded like Daryl might have been interested a little bit in bringing Doc to Houston, or at least kind of flirting with that idea at some point. So I think you know they also have a little bit of time together in Boston. You know, before Daryl left for for Houston, so you know there's some stuff there. It's going to be a good place, I think. You know, for what he's going to bring to the to the Sixers, it isn't even so much how they play on the court, but just a little bit creativity in the front office in terms of orchestrating trades and contracts and things like that. That's going to be a really valuable asset, and it'll be interesting to see how it works with Elton Brand, who's still growing into the job, and and this might be a good thing for him if if he can kind of embrace it a little bit, it's, it's, it's always kind of tough. Like he was, you know, let's put it to you this way. Two weeks ago, he was the decision maker. Right <laughs> now he's not the decision maker anymore. So it's maybe a little bit tough to swallow, but ultimately I think he could learn a ton in this scenario uh, from Daryl and, and continue to grow in this job. And it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited for the season. We've heard possibly it might come back as early as uh December 22nd. Uh, we, you know, we're, beginning to hear some rumblings that the players are thinking more January, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss all of that at a later time, Kelly, anything else you want to touch on before we go? Yeah. I'm going to be talking with, uh, a lot of people who have worked with, you know, Steven Silas to kind of get a bigger picture of who he is as a person. Um, that, so that's coming on the athletic next week up until, you know, obviously they have their, you know the official press and everything, but some some good stuff on the way. So so keep an eye out on the athletic and uh, stay tuned. Yes, and that means again, I'm going to plug it one more time. Subscribe to the athletic, theathletic.com/slash/brody and the beard. Make sure you do it so you can get all the good stuff that Kelly's going to be working on. Um, that's all I got. So for Kelly Eco. For super producer Andrew Schleck, who's sitting in the back somewhere pushing buttons and making us sound better than we actually normally do. And for me, Mo DeKeel, we out!